This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And Karen, that was a beautiful presentation. And I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and being such a wonderful collaborator. Uh, I just want to share quickly, when I was in third grade, I told my mom I was going to be a pediatrician for differently abled children. And I am so fortunate that Support for Families has been part of my evolution as a pediatrician and been educating me over many years. Um, and that I have mentors like Dr. Lucy Crane. I'm so grateful for Support for Families um, and their important mission and longstanding partnership with UCSF Pediatrics. So we're here to talk about triads um, and it really builds off of what Karen was sharing in her presentation about about what families want from providers. So uh, Dr. Lieberman and I have nothing to disclose. Um, We would like to disclose that Triads is a team effort and draws upon the expertise, vision, and passion of many of our colleagues, including those at the UCSF Child Trauma Research Program and the Center to Advance Trauma-Informed Healthcare. So definitely a team effort. And over the next 20 minutes, we aim for you to be able to describe the triad of adversity, distress, and strength, and understand the underpinnings of triads, and offer some approaches and resources to help you practice applying triads. So what is triads? Um, Triads is a framework to talk with patients and other team members about ACEs and create healing relationships in that conversation. So I'm a pediatric and adolescent provider at our public health hospital in San Francisco, and the majority of my patients have experienced adversity. And honestly, sometimes I feel paralyzed when I think about asking about trauma and ACEs and not sure what I'm going to say and and what do I, how do I respond? And so that sometimes paralysis means like, do we, we don't want to ask um, and open that space. So I'm a visual learner, and I really appreciated having this image of triads branded right in here in my brain so that when I walk into a patient room, I kind of see that image. It's almost like a visual mnemonic for me, and it provides me guidance in the moment. Um, so in my mind, I think, you know, you know, it's not, not what's wrong with you, but what happened to you, and not, not that what has happened to you necessarily is a destiny for what how that impacts you. So making sure I think through, you know, maybe this doesn't impact you, maybe it does. So does what happened to you cause distress? And then um, I usually ask my young adults and teenagers, um, tell me about your superpowers or what helps you. So this tool for me and this framework has been really practical and empowering. Um, and on top of that all, I'm, I'm reassured knowing that the approach is informed by the years of research and experience by my colleague and others, um, like Dr. Alicia Lieberman, in developing this tool. And just a little bit more about the origins of triads. So, um, as I mentioned, Dr. Lieberman has had this vision of translating her decades of work in child-parent psychotherapy, and you're going to hear more from her later. Um, and translating that work to primary care practice. And we had the opportunity to bring this to fruition with the California ACEs Learning 
um, and Quality Improvement Collaborative, which I co-directed with Eddie Mockinger and um, Margarita Lightfoot. It's an 18-month learning collaborative that integrated a screening and response across 15 clinic organizations in diverse settings across um, California serving Medi-Cal patients. And we didn't want to just, you know, launch screening willy-nilly. Um, we really wanted to screen in a way that enhances communication between healthcare team members and patients and connects patients to services that they want. So ultimately, you know, promoting better outcomes and reducing disparities. And triads supported our goals by providing an approach and framework that we could use. So um, Dr. Lieberman, I'd love to turn this over to you to share about your experience and vision that serves as the foundation of triads. You're on mute, Dr. Lieberman. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lucy. Uh, I want to thank ANDA for this opportunity. Um, CalQuick has been an extraordinary experience. And as she says, we have tried to distill many decades of clinical practice, but also efforts to teach the next generation how to understand the conditions that their patients come to us with. And we found that patients actually express relief when they can tell us about their most painful adversities and trauma, the things that happened to them that have been suppressed because of the pressure not to talk about shameful things. And the sense of relief that happens when we ask them what happened to them and when they can tell us these experiences and when we respond with understanding and support and we explain to them that these events that they tell us about can help us understand their anxiety attacks, their high blood pressure, their obesity, their substance use, their depression and common responses have been you mean I'm not crazy? You mean this isn't my fault? And we respond to that by saying, you are not crazy. Most people that these things happen to respond in the same ways that you are responding. And then we ask them, what helps them? How do they cope? And that brings the hope that Karen was talking about and that Maria, in her very powerful story, helped us understand. Next step, please. Next slide, please. And we found that child parent psychotherapy works. We have now many uh, randomized studies, many clinical studies showing that outcomes such as decreased placement in foster care by children, decreased PTSD and depression in parents, decreased negative behaviors and exposure, expulsion from childcare for children. And this particular slide shows us the comparison between a, in a randomized study for children exposed to domestic violence who had at least five ACEs in the first five years of life and their parents had at least 13 ACEs on average uh, in as they came to treatment. And we found that the two um, flat orange um, lines show the 
a treatment as usual uh, treatment where the children's uh, PTSD did not change from the beginning of treatment to past past treatment, meaning that treatment as usual that doesn't look at what happened to the child, what happened to the parent, tends not to make a difference in some of the key symptoms that children suffer with. And the two green lines are child parent psychotherapy cases where they had either less than four ACEs or more than four ACEs. And in both cases, there was significant decrease after about 30 sessions of treatment. And this happened both for the child and for the parent. Decreased depression, decreased PTSD, both in the parent and in the child. Next slide, please. And this, in turn, made us feel the impetus to give this message to systems of care, including the pediatric system, which is very meaningful to me because my father was a pediatrician whose office was at home. So that I saw the patients, I saw how my father related to them, and I saw that he was able to talk to them about the adversity. This was Paraguay, a third world country with a grade of poverty, as a universal experience that affects health, but that trusting relationships are at the core of all healing endeavors. And the most important first professional relationship is with health providers, with pediatricians, with adult providers. And so healthcare should adopt a relational health approach that includes the social and emotional context of the whole person. And this in turn takes us to the next slide which is about the core intervention strategies. And in um, the triads, we normalize adversity as a universal experience and explain that we ask about ACEs because most people have at least one major adversity in their lives that increases stress and affects their physical and emotional health. And then we ask about their distressing feelings and their health conditions and offer clear and simple possible explanations of how this adversity might be affecting what is distressing them in the moment. And always, as Karen said, we end with a note of hope, highlighting strengths, looking at what helped them, how do they help themselves and how we can become part of the helping team. Next slide, please. And we understand in bringing this approach to the medical system, to the healthcare system, that health providers are stressed by how little time they can spend with their patients. And we try to explain to them that making the moment count, making those 15 minutes count, in the context of how we look at them, how, what is our tone of voice. And I'm reminded of an early experience where a, a medical provider asked a 25-year-old with untreatable eczema, when did it start? And the woman thought and thought and thought and said, when I was nine. And the physician asked, 
what happened then in your life? And this woman disclosed that she had been sexually attacked, sexually raped, and by a caregiver. And that the silence, the stress, the fright had been unspoken until that moment. And the clinician was able to say, you know, our body speaks about the stresses. And now that I know, we can help think together. What happens those moments when you itch? And she said she couldn't stop scratching herself, which exacerbated the eczema. And this led to a conversation where she felt such relief that it hadn't been her fault, that she was a little girl without the power to fight the attacker off. She left feeling differently and she started being able to comply with treatment. And we've seen that experience again and again where speaking the unspeakable can lead to healing in the medical encounter, the healthcare encounter. And that is why we created triads. Thank you, Anda, for going into how you do it in your pediatric care. Thank you, Dr. Lieberman. So powerful. Um, well, we would love to have had the opportunity if we had time to have a practice, and that is why we have resources on the website that I'll be sharing. But we really want us to think through what do we say? Like, um, and there's really no right answer. So when I walk into a room and I have that triad logo or the, the framework in my head, um, how do I normalize adversity? And I'm taking a few seconds to, for you to think about what you might say. Like, what do you say to normalize adversity when you're meeting a patient or a client or a friend? And you can put them in the chat if you want to share or if you have ideas about um, how you introduce this. Uh, one way um, is that I might say something like, you know, uh, difficult experiences happen to a lot of my patients. Just a simple statement. And how do I then provide simple rationale, a simple rationale for a screening without overlaying any judgment? And, and why are we asking these questions? And so one way we might do that is just, again, sort of normalizing why we're asking this. You know, we learn, we're learning that difficult experiences, even ones that happened a long time ago, can affect people's health. And knowing what's happened to you can help me understand your health better. And I have lots of examples of this, but in the interest of time, I'm going to keep going about how this is applied for some of my patients with really longstanding health issues that I, we were unsuccessfully helping them with and how this created space. So, and one other critical aspect is to really ask permission and give the patient um, and give the patient or client um, power. This is in their hands. So I, again, normalize and saying, we give this questionnaire to everybody. It's standard practice in our clinic because it helps us provide better care and it is completely optional, it is up to you. And I love um, what Alicia is saying because some of us are hesitant to ask about ACEs and trauma because we don't feel like we have the, the, the like resources and the solutions um, and the response. And so 
sometimes what we really need to do is, is just acknowledge and validate. And that is actually what all um, the patient needs or the client. So something simple like, you know, that sounds like it was really difficult. Thank you for telling me. And I really appreciate that you shared that with me. And then to get to whether that is causing distress for someone, how does one ask about that, is to stay curious without judgment. Do you think, you know, do you think what you've told me is affecting how you're feeling in your overall health or affecting X, Y, and Z condition that we're trying to help manage like asthma or eczema. And then lastly, and most importantly, as Karen had mentioned, and also our own um, CalCREC Patient Community Advisory Board had emphasized, it's really important to highlight strengths. In fact, some um, of our family and advisory board members suggested starting with this. So um, I asked about superpowers. You can ask about what helps you or who helps you. And those are simple ways of, of um, raising the things that, you know, where we can build off their strengths. So I'm mindful of the time. So I just want to mention that we've created a website um, with a bunch of tools on it. They include scenarios that we've developed with our patient community advisory board and some of the CalQuick clinic um, providers and healthcare team members. And um, it's just brief videos to show how you might introduce these concepts in a clinical setting or um, in, a, in a care setting. And um, the, each of these scenarios include three parts. One is watch and learn, where there are videos where you can watch and learn how this might get integrated and provide some language. And then there's reflect, which is a guided self-reflection and a videotape reflective conversation between the healthcare team members featured in the scenarios with Dr. Alicia Lieberman. And I just wanna add, this really came from um, of lunch and learn sessions in the clinics that Dr. Lieberman and Dr. Chris Bradley, one of the CalQuick coaches, is doing with clinics. And they said, you know, how do you say, how, what do you say? And so they would create these little like off the cuff ad lib demonstrations. And then they, were, they realized they should be taking them. So, um, and the scripts that we have were just scripts. So the providers in the videos um, are CalQuick providers and they, including MEAs and physicians, and they didn't practice. They had no script, actually. It was just a scenario, and they ad-libbed the um, responses. We have additional resources on the website. There's a link to the website embedded in the slides. Um, if, you, if you do a web search, UCSF and triads, you will quickly land on it. And it'll, it brings up two extra resources that um, clinics ask for. One is, um, that their organizations, the clinical organizations, needed a tool, a tool to help them align triads and, um, and introducing trauma-informed approaches um, into the vision and mission and goals of the clinic organization. And so there's like a leadership alignment tool, and there's also a health equity tool. Because the clinic said, you know, you're you're emphasizing, you're asking us to create equity goals. We don't know what that looks like. Could, what are equity goals for a clinic? And so there's a whole toolkit that Elizabeth Morrison, one of the other CalQuick coaches, developed with a lot of examples in there. So um, Dr. Lieber, I'm gonna pass it over to you if you could quickly summarize our key points. I think that 
and that you said it, uh, how do we bring it all together? It's really our emotional presence in the moment and using our emotional presence as a way of helping give meaning to the distress that our patients, that our clients have in the context of their circumstances. There's a wonderful um, expression in Spanish, yo soy yo y mis condiciones. I am me in my circumstances. What happens to us shapes us so much. And to help explain, remind everybody that we're not responsible for what happens to us and that we all have strengths that can leverage how we alleviate ourselves. And then the next one, the next slide, is really about what Anda said about we, we cannot fix life for our patients, for our clients, but our presence, our ability to show them that we care, which Karen also spoke about. And remembering that burnout is so prevailing when we work with people who are so, so burdened by life circumstances, and we need to also take uh, care of ourselves and have compassion for ourselves. Otherwise, the compassion is not complete. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.